Welcome to After the Credits, episode 313, our top 10 of 2023, top 10-ish. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Marina Antunes, joined today by fellow co-hosts. Steve Stebbing. Bill Harris. And Melissa McDowell. Welcome back, Melissa. Happy New Year. Thanks. Happy New Year to you guys, too. So we have uh, a lot to talk about. It has been a really good year in movies, I would argue, if if it's any indication of how difficult it was to make this list. Yeah, this was tough. I had I had a short list of 31. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I I just started deleting them once they got past 10 because I, I was just saying like it's like looking at a dead body. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, like it was, it was a, it was a crime scene. Like, and my top ten list, I feel like, is like a chameleon. It'll change by day, and if I think about it long enough, and then, I, like, even looking at my top ten right now, I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, well, that was yesterday. That was the day before. It's not now. Well, that, and that's what I did too. I, 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 it's the first time in years where I've actually like rewatched stuff my top 10 and I kind of felt like I needed to because a couple of the titles I hadn't seen in a while and I'm like are they really as good as I remember them to be because it was a really good year and it's been a while since I saw these and I only saw them once so I did rewatch a couple of things um and then on Friday I sat down to do my list and I'm like you know what I can't do this right now because it's going to change on Sunday so I'm just going to do it Sunday before the show <laughs> so an hour before I honestly, you guys are hilarious because you take this really seriously. I'm like, I, rating art is never like high on my list of things that make sense to me. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I'll go with this top 10. But I, yeah, I kind of, as Steve said, it's like entirely changeable. And yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I, I fully buy into the ranking of art uh, kind of thing. Cause yeah, it does definitely change on your, your mood your emotions yeah. for the day, what you're valuing at that particular moment that you're putting a list together. So, yeah. No. And I think that's completely valid. And I mean, looking at my list, it's, I think there's maybe like two or three of the big awards contention movies on the list. And then the rest were great. Like Barbie wasn't even in my conversation when I made my top whatever list, when I just randomly put down, what are the movies that I really, really enjoyed this year? I mean, I really liked it. I can appreciate it was not anywhere near my list. <laughs> so uh, I'll go first. How's that? Um, my number 10, and I went back and forth between um, this and John Wick at chapter four, because they were the two like action uh, extravaganzas of the year. And I love myself a good action movie. And on any other year, this probably would have been much, much higher. But uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is my number 10. I just, I have nothing but respect for this movie and it is such a fun watch. Um, it's still a bit messy, but it's not quite as messy as John Wick, which is why I went with this. I think overall it's better storytelling. And I mean, it's just fucking spectacular. Like just give me Mission Impossible and Tom Cruise doing weird ass stunts, Top Gun, any, just give them all to me. I'm I'm here for all of them. I Not only are they like impressive, but they're really fun to watch and they actually have something to say. Like, it's not always like, oh, my God, uh, this is like uh, the most important thing ever. But you know what? It, it actually had something interesting to say. And it said it in an interesting way. So for me, Mission Impossible, number 10, give me all the Tom Cruise in the world. <laughs> not in my top 10, but I 
freaking loved that movie. So, Steve, give us your top 10. Uh, so my number 10 is Barbie, uh, a movie that I, I had expectations for as soon as you know that that Noah Bombach and, and Greta Gerwig's involved and, and that this is a, such a big deal to Margot Robbie. And the casting is just the the implications are all fun and it lived up to what I wanted it to be, in my opinion, and was so much more at the same time. Um, beautifully shot. Rodrigo Prito shoots the hell out of this movie and it looks so phenomenal. The soundtrack is good. And that, I mean, is a big deal for me, like going way back to when I first started loving movies because soundtrack is a big deal. Um and yeah, I, I dug the hell of this movie a lot more than I thought I would. So it did land in my top 10. It landed in mine too, Steve. Yay. Um, yeah, it was uh, number nine for me. But uh, but yeah, I agree. It was it was beautiful. It was fun. It was feminist. It was funny. Um, and uh, and it was gorgeous. And so and it was it was I think it was the cinematic experience of the year. Um, just in terms of the impact on pop culture, um, the impact on the box office. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, any movie that puts feminist ideas into that heavy, into that heavier rotation of mainstream cinema is, uh, is tops in my book. So go Greta go. That's all I can say. No, and I'm with you guys just to add to that. I think Melissa, you nailed it though. I think that the fact that this actually, I think is the movie that like start is going to change it's it's moved the needle enough that I hopefully will like make, make an impactful change. Um, and there is enough conversation around it that I think that that this is really the one to do it. But I mean, it's anybody's guess at this point, but I'm really I, fingers crossed. Sadly, I don't think it will Marina. Oh. I mean, I think what this is going to do is usher in a whole bunch of more uh, Mattel toy films, which nobody That's really wants or gives a crap about, but, um, but but what it did was was great. What like what what this particular movie did at this particular moment moment in time uh, was great. And I love like I went to see this movie with um, with my aunt and uncle and and my partner. And like so it was mixed gender group and everyone loved it. Everyone got something out of it. Even uh, you know uh, even my my uncle who's in his early seventies. He was skeptical going in and he came out and was like quite surprised actually at the, the potency of the political message from this film. So um, yeah, like I, I, I think it's a great movie. I think it's a classic. I think it's going to be around for a while. Um, I think people are going to watch it. People already have watched it many times. Um, apparently it's just supplanted um, everything everywhere all at once or pa- parasite is the number one watched movie on Letterboxd. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, all of those are good things. And Melissa, what's your number 10? Um, so my number 10 is, <laughs> to, we'll go on a more downer note. Um, my, my number 10 is actually Green Border, um, the Agnieszka Holland uh, film about, uh, about refugee policy. And um, this movie is, uh, is a real kick in the stomach, but I think this is the kind of cinema that I feel like is vital and raises issues that, are not getting a lot of coverage in the mainstream press around how we treat um, how we treat migrants in particular, and especially how we treat uh, immigrants and migrants from the Middle East and from Africa, um, because we have thrown open our doors to the Ukrainians, uh, but 
if you're from if you're from anywhere else like i mean you just need to look at canada's recent policy around what what like how we are going to assess palestinian refugees in the current conflict um and it's it's pretty disgusting it's very obviously blatantly racist um and this film kind of puts uh the west's liberalism to the test i think um i think it's a really important film i hope more people see it that's part of the reason why it's in my top 10 yeah, I haven't seen it. That sounds really good because I think the last Holland film I saw was Mr. Jones. I think that was the last one. So, yeah. and I wasn't a big on that movie, but this one sounds really, really interesting. Yeah, and I haven't seen it either. I haven't been able to find it. Yeah, I really hope, like, I, Bill and I saw it at VIF, and I really hope that it gets like some kind of wider release. Um, because I, I, it is a really important film, but I think because it's, it, because it's such a political film, I wonder if that's impacting distribution. And billion number 10. I'm pretty sure this is higher on other people's lists, but I like to start off with a bit of a bang. So my number 10 is red rooms. Uh, this was, you know, everybody went to, to VIF and I think this was the big buzz film of the festival that everybody was talking about except for i don't think steve saw it no nope. uh pasco plants uh film about a, a murder trial don't really want to get too much into this but two women are attending it in the audience and both have different reasons for being there and that's pretty much all i want to say because i kind of want people to see this film blind it's going to kick your ass i'm a genre head and this film really got to me uh he really knows when to push the envelope and it does a really good job. And the, the lead actress, Juliette Gareppi, is just on another level here. Uh, probably, if anybody had actually seen this film, it probably she might actually be an Oscar nominee. She is that good. But I really gave it up to Plant, who just, just keeps on pushing it here. And uh, I think it's a classic in the making. And uh, this is from a guy who usually hates Canadian films. This is much, much higher on my list. <laughs> and it's one, of the, it's one of the movies that I did rewatch and it was a good excuse to watch it because Dan hadn't seen it yet. And um, it's kind of amazing how this kind of like just starts in the middle of everything. Uh, I had forgotten that. Um, and it, I, I think it actually plays better on repeat viewings because it's still the shock value is still there, but you start to pick up on all the little things that you missed the first time around. Because I mean, honestly, the first time around, it was just like a gut punch. It was it was just trying to figure out what exactly was going on and what the motivations were. And I think uh, on repeat viewing, you start to see a little bit more of that. And I agree. It's a stupendous performance. It really is a masterclass in filmmaking. The sound design is spectacular. The cinematography is great. The, the, the camera is just in the right place all the time. And there are these amazing scenes of just sound, which are amazing. I, it's just, it's brilliant. Brilliant. I don't think it's a classic in the making. I think it is a classic. <laughs> but okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad both of you put that on your list because it narrowly, narrowly missed being on my list. And it was one of my favorite um, in cinema experiences of this year. I really, I again, hope this one actually gets a wide release so people can see it because I don't know when this is actually getting released to people. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> well, I own a Blu-ray of it, so I think the I think the theatrical experience is probably over. Unfortunately, mm. I, this has got like uh, you know cult midnight movie screening in the making. I mean, I could see this at the Rio. 
uh, this year at some like late night show. I think it would play like gangbusters, but um, yeah. My uh, number nine is uh, no one will save you. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the, the the batshit crazy horror movie that just like quietly landed on Disney plus of all places. I just, I, I can't get this movie out of my mind. And the fact that it is done so well and it's executed from like this, like stupid elevator pitch. Like it, you can see it written down. It's like girl gets uh, harassed by what we think are alien, creepy aliens for 90 minutes. And you think, well, how's that going to play out? And uh, the answer is really well, if you have uh, Brian Duffett behind the camera, because this thing is like nonstop from the moment it starts. And it is terrifying, like legitimately terrifying in places. I, I can't get over it. And Caitlin Denver is just like, uh, yeah, I was stunned by this movie. Just stunned. My number nine. It makes me wish like hope. Well, I have hope for it because we got to pray 4K release that they will release this on a physical media at some point yeah. because it is a movie that deserves that. It is. I mean, Brian Duffield is just elevates himself so much with one dialogueless movie. And yeah, it's it's a real experience. It was one of the ones that fell out of my top 10 that I was so sad to see go um and yeah it's that's a real special film right there and the fact that it just got this little tiny like disney plus release is just yeah. like so underwhelming for what it deserves agreed uh steve what? what's your number nine can i say something uh, first oh yeah 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 it's higher on my list <laughs> oh! <laughs> so there'll be more discussion about this film coming yeah, I'll, I'll talk about i'll talk about when it comes out why not <laughs> Uh, my number nine is Oppenheimer, and I think it shows you how deep this year that 2023 was seeing where a Nolan film lends up in my top 10. But uh, Oppenheimer was an incredible theatrical experience. The score, the cinematography, the execution, it's all there. It is like some of that great um, flagpole of the year filmmaking um i would have loved to experience an imax but i uh, unfortunately i didn't um killian's really great um emily blunt is one of the best supporting actresses of the year especially for that that one interrogation scene that just fucking brings it all home um and i think robert downey jr is phenomenal in that film like every act every acclaim that he's getting for it is absolutely deserved um, just a really, really great film. And I love the relationship between uh, uh, the, the the continuing relationship between uh, Nolan and Hoyt as a as a uh, team. They're just they're really, really special. Higher on my list. Yeah. See, I, I figured, you know, <laughs> well, let's see your number nine is Barbie, right? That is correct. Yeah. Anything else to add before we move on to Bill's number nine? Not on my no. list. <laughs> <laughs> no, just could, could you imagine what the box office actually would have been this year if Barbenheimer didn't open? Yeah. Every, oh, no. every superhero film underperformed. Yeah. There was no big other movie other than those two. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it was a, a, an over a $10 billion year and it would have been under, would have been under 
eight if those films hadn't come out. That, yeah. That's like okay, but also wait, Barbie in like I, this this whole thing about Barbenheimer kind of ticks me off because the the weight there is Barbie. It's not Oppenheimer. It wasn't mm-hmm. Oppenheimer that was drawing the giant crowds mm-hmm. up. Yeah, the ba- sure. the Barbenheimer double bill was for cinema nerds like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But it let, it, this was Barbie's year. Uh, don't take it away. I, I was, I was no, I would agree. I was going to say, I, I, I wanted to see Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. But like I said, I, I, I don't think the Barbenheimer double bill appealed as broadly as mm-hmm. Barbie did. Yeah. So this was good marketing from the Oppenheimer team. It was. Uh, yeah. Barbie didn't need the push. Oppenheimer no, did. She didn't. She really didn't. Uh, Bill, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is The Holdovers. Alexander Payne's homage to the 70s. A, uh, a school for boys at Christmas and all the kids have gone home and uh, some staff and one uh, of the kids is left behind. Uh, the great Paul Giamatti, who I think probably should win Best Actor because I think he's incredible. Always mm-hmm. have, always will. Uh and uh, Divine Rudolph is probably going to win, too. So there's also that. And uh, this newcomer named Dominic Sessa, who's really incredible. It's really happy. It's it's sad. I cried. I was barely awake after a Tool concert. And I saw this in the morning after. And it just woke me the hell up. It's incredible. Uh, hopefully, this will become a Christmas classic, just like Die Hard. Yeah, this one appears higher up on my list, but yeah, it, it's going to become a, a yearly thing. This this warm hug that feels like Hal Ashby, <laughs> and I loved every second of it. I love the warmth of the time period that he sh- that Alexander Payne's shooting in this, and it's just it's such a special movie, and it makes me smile even thinking about it. Like it's yeah. one of those movies for sure. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it might be the movie that I recommended the most over the course of the holiday season. Um, I was nuts about it. (laughs) Yeah, and and I just, like, I it just missed my list. It's my number 11. (laughs) It was on my list, and then I kind of reshuffled things. But, yeah, I just, and I'm not even an Alexander Payne fan in, like, generally speaking. I think his movies are fine, but I'm not, like, a fangirl. And I just, it just goes to show that you just can't. You can't always just write off a director. Like you have to sometimes give things a chance. And this is definitely a movie that surprised the hell out of me. And I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it, I think it's just like you say, like it's the warmest hug. It's just so sweet. I love it. I love it. Um, my number eight. And if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year, if this would be on my list, I'd tell you you were crazy. Bo is afraid is my number eight. Uh, <laughs> this movie. Higher. Yeah, this movie kicked the shit out of me. I I still wonder if he's okay. Like, <laughs> I I and the fact that Joaquin Phoenix isn't getting any attention for this performance just baffles my mind. Like, of all of his performances, this is the one that actually deserves attention, and it's the one that nobody's talking about. It's this movie is just like a kick in the teeth. I. I don't, I don't know. I can't recommend it to anyone. Like, who do you recommend this movie to? It is such a hard watch. And that first like half hour is still like traumatizing. Every once in a while, I see a clip of it and I'm like, I have to look away. This is too much. It's crazy. It's crazy. My number eight. That's my number 11. (laughs) Just fell off the list. But like, but like my favorite, like probably in my favorite performances of the year is Joaquin. Oh yeah. And, and, and supporting uh, Nathan Lane. So yeah, totally. it's like, 
it's like it's so tough it's so tough and the mo- the scariest performance of the year is patty lapone <laughs> yeah more than any horror movie or anything else the scariest performance of the year is her so it's like yeah it, it's it's so tough it's so tough i i that's that's why i feel betrayed by my own list sometimes you know what i mean so it's movies like this can, can we get some supporting actress love for 10 minutes uh parker posey I'm in. I'm I'm up for Always. love for Parker Posey at all times. So, yeah. so, so, um, what is your number eight, Steve? Uh, my number eight is Monster, uh, Hirokazu Kurita's film that became my favorite of the Vancouver International Film Festival this year. His movies are things that I I look forward to, like like a good meal i i it's it's always something that delivers and he's such an artisan in the way he delivers and this movie is so exceptional in in how it is delivered in the different perspectives how it 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 changes the genres in how the story is being told um, just rocked me and and I didn't want it to end and I feel like a, a really great film you you don't want to leave it and uh, Monster is is that film for me and and my god that third act I still think about it that ending is pretty special mm-hmm. I this one's much higher for me yeah it's, it's in my lower half list it almost I think made, I, I think it almost made my cutoff list not quite. <laughs> Not quite. Um, Melissa, what's your number eight? My number eight is the last film that we're apparently getting from one of the goats, Ken Loach, uh, The Old Oak. Um, and honestly, I, like, I think what what's great, most of the time when I go into a Ken Loach film, I assume that I'm going to be like a sobbing, sniveling, snotty mess at some point in the movie. Um, and what was kind of brilliant about this is that this movie really is about, you know, something super important in this day and age, which is how do we find a way to find intersectionality and solidarity between oppressed groups of people and resist this urge to pit ourselves against other people who are similarly marginalized and oppressed. And um, I think that's such a great gift for Ken to leave us with as his last film. Um, So for me, yeah, this was just, it was such a great watch. Um, It's a beautiful premise. Um, I found large swaths of this incredibly heartwarming and hopeful. And there's so little of that, I feel like, in the world today. Um, that yeah, this is a very important film. Number eight on my list. This movie rocked me at VIF for sure. I knew I was gonna cry, and it it's so in so many different places it pulled through, and then it comes down with the bazooka at the end and just just annihilates you. There's nothing left. Um, and yeah, a movie deserving for, of recommendation in 2023 and an important film, much like Ken Loach's films always have been because he's never strayed from the pulse of what an important story is. And, uh, it's good. It's really sweet and bittersweet that he goes out on this, this film. Cause I'm going to miss his storytelling, especially in with what the festival means to me when I, when I attend it, I always want a new Loach film. Every time I go to that festival, it's just the way it goes. Not on my list, but it's a, it's a really good film. And just for the record, I was crying 30 seconds into the film. It's Oh, the camera. Yeah. yeah. The camera, yeah, 
Yeah. And she and she is just you you are on you are with her so quickly into that movie. She's such a great actress and yeah. Yeah. Uh Bill, you number eight. Uh, just some quick words on no one will save you. Uh, another another classic from Brian Duffield, who is uh, no stranger to my top 10 lists. Uh, action star Caitlin Dever versus unexplained aliens. Action, uh, action star. <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah, it is. She really's her way through that movie. Uh, this one exploded out of the blue out of nowhere in September on Hulu, and it might be one of the most underrated films of the year. Uh, one line of dialogue and holy shit aliens that just kind of freaked me out with their hand gestures and <laughs> weird movements and shit. Uh, there's a scene in a car. I think it's one of the great scenes of the year. Uh, and I love the fact that the ending pisses people off. I don't know what they want <laughs> from it, but screw you guys. I think it's yeah. rad. Uh, think this it's should have too. been on the big screen. This should have been on the big screen. Uh, it pisses me off. Uh, top 10 lists can be fun. And this is the ride of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. I love this movie so much. I, I agree. I want this on physical media. I don't want this to ever disappear. I want to be able to put this in whatever the hell I want. <laughs> um, my number seven. I'm pretty sure it's probably on no one's list. Um, Fair Play, Chloe Demont's film, uh, which landed on Netflix earlier this year. Something about this movie just hit for me. I don't really know what it is. Well, I, I actually, I think I do kind of know what it is. I love this interplay um, between Phoebe Denner and um, Aldrin Al- Ulrich and this um, this movie that really kind of uh, digs into the idea of um, women standing on their own um, and being better than men in some some instances. I, I just it, and it gets so ugly so fast. Like it just it starts sweet, and you think, oh, we'll we kind of know where this is going. But I don't think anybody really expected it to go as dark as it gets, and it gets really bloody dark towards the second half, and then it just goes off the rails in the third act, which I kind of loved. Um, she went there, and I, I I'm there for it. I really really like this movie. Oh, clearly, it's my number seven. It's not on my list, but. Props to you for putting it on yours because I do think it's it was it's an exciting first film from yeah. from this filmmaker and I think it'll be really cool to see what she does next. I'm with you. I, I, I like clearly I enjoyed it more than most people. Like I say, I doubt it's on a lot of people's list, but I just love the hell out of this movie. Um, Steve, what's your number seven? I just added that one to my. It's the second movie I've added this uh, the, uh, these top tens because Green Border and Fair Play I have not seen. So I think those ones. There we go. Um, my number seven is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, and this is like my only like like nerdy, like geek out type of stuff that's kind of on my list. Um, and it's I love this experience. This is a great in theater experience. I felt like I was almost inside the movie. Like I just got really into it and grounded with these characters uh is dazzling to watch so much fun the the voice casting is just on like on par with what i what i expect out of these characters and um it just makes you makes you feel that the first movie wasn't a flash in the pan and that there's still more great stuff to come so uh yeah this is and it's a movie that i'll watch i'll watch again and again uh it's definitely got a lot of repeat value to it for me so uh that's why it's number seven higher on my list 
it, it didn't make mine, which is a little bit, maybe not the surprise because I haven't been as high on this movie as everybody else has. That said, I really do appreciate the filmmaking that's gone, gone into making this movie and this franchise just in general and the way that it's pushed the industry as a whole into a new level of uh, filmmaking, which is really exciting. Like the studios are finally taking chances, maybe Disney, not as much. Um, I think slowly they'll get there because they are not going to have a choice. Um, but I think the fact that it's opened the door for new and interesting and different approaches to storytelling and filmmaking and using animation in the way that it probably always is intended to be used, which is to tell stories that you can't tell like just generally, um, I think is really exciting. And for that alone, I think it's worth the effort. But I mean, it is great filmmaking. For me, it's just not really, it didn't hit me the way that the first one did. Um, I had other animated films that I liked quite a bit more this year, but I can certainly appreciate just how good this is. Yeah, the, the style also lends to to getting films like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant mm -hmm. Mayhem made, which is a movie I also consider in my favorite movies of the year, though it's not in my top 10, but it's a movie mm -hmm. I really loved. So. Yeah, and I mean, not even that, like like stuff like Puss in Boots, which mm -hmm. also looks Way totally better than different. it should have been. <laughs> well, yeah, and it, it looks like visually it looks much different than like Warner Brothers has always kind of been on the outskirts. They, their artists have always had more uh, leeway with uh, the visual style of their films. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the fact that that movie looked the way I, it did, I think was partially because they were allowed to push the envelope a bit further. Um, so I think that that's what's really exciting. That's what was what was really exciting about the first Spider-Man movie. And I think that continues to, to push through with this one. It's just, mm -hmm. it's stupendous. Like the level of artistry is just like through the roof. Um, that was a lot to say for me that didn't even make my top 30. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Melissa, your number seven. My number seven was Bo is Afraid, uh, Mommy Issues on Steroids, and <laughs> the best needle drop of the year. I'm sorry, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I could go with that. Oh, that movie scares me. I think it's also like part of picking your favorite movies of the year is also about the experience. And I saw Bo is Afraid with an audience at the Charles theater in Baltimore. And it was, it's pretty great. I mean, when you see something that is this insane, you do want to see it in a crowd of people. It just makes all the reactions just make it that much better. And I think this is why I would go and see this if it screened anywhere with the group, because I saw it at home. And even that was an experience because Dan was literally in the end of the room going, what the fuck are you watching? Are you OK? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not OK. I'm not OK. The true litmus test of this podcast. Did Dan like it? Okay, I was going to start this by saying I have to thank Dan for being such a trooper. Because I mean, he likes movies, but he is not like us. Um, and the fact that he watches as much stuff as, as he does, like it, I, I give him props because I put him through the ring or something. Oh man, you're number seven, Bill. <laughs> Uh, this, this should be higher. My God, this, this is a hard year. Uh, my number seven is the iron claw. Uh, this is, this is my old Oak. This movie made me cry like a little child. Uh, a couple years in the lives of the, uh, the Von Eriks, uh, a family with a curse. Uh, the Von Eriks are a wrestling family and, uh, led by Papa Fritz. He's a bit of a bastard. 
uh, he's controlling, he's mean, and they're in the wrestling business, which can, you know, have some weird, unrealistic expectations with it. But uh, no spoilers for those who haven't seen the movie, but this is kind of a sad one. And uh, the script is a wow, the cinematography is a wow, the acting is a wow, and the score is all, it's just incredible. The acting, including Zach Efron, who is criminally underrated now. Uh, the the guy who's on top of the world, Jeremy Allen White, uh, Harris Dickinson, who had a pretty good year too, and the great Holt McCallany, who is probably award-worthy for his performance as Fritz. A uh, special shout-out to Moira Turney as the, the glue of the family. It's a really tough watch. Yes, it is, but uh, that's why I kind of go to film. Uh, yeah, the great Sean Durkin, a filmmaker who we need more films from. This is higher on my list. Higher on my list, too. Wow, good. This, as, this as I said, it should have been on mine. This didn't quite uh, make my list, but I do. I did appreciate the film, and I, I agree. I think Holt is one of the most underrated actors. He's brilliant in everything. I mean, he was so good in Mindhunter, and then you see him in this, and he's like, like he really gets that character. And I, I, I saw an interview where he was saying that, um, that. Uh, oh, now I've now I've lost the name. The main character played by Zac Efron, Kevin Von Eric. Yes, yeah. Kevin. Yeah, was was saying that he captured the spirit of his dad completely, and that he didn't think that they would be able to find a, an actor who could do that, um, which is pretty high praise. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. This was a it was a good watch for sure. This film. Yeah, this movie I thought was super heartbreaking and. Um... I mean, and and I mean, I, I think that this is in part uh, just the way Sean Durkin makes films. I mean, he has this really understated kind of like, um, I, I don't even know how to explain it. I find that like his movies all have like this heart at the center, but the movies themselves are really dark. And I mean, you have this really like, like in another movie that the, the, the scene, the heaven scene would have like been a, a slump. Like it just would have played badly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you like when it, when it plays, you're like, wow, this actually like really works here. I mean, it just goes yeah. to show just the delicacy with which he tells the story that that scene actually works and doesn't fall flat. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think in part, it's also just the, the performances are stupendous. I cried like audibly as the credits were rolling there were like six of us in the theater and i honestly thought that everybody was there for the wrong movie because <laughs> i looked around and i'm like this is the strangest audience for this thing like i just didn't know what to expect we went on a thursday morning basically whatever the first show of the day was which was 1 p.m but it was like this older couple was sitting next to us there were these women sitting in the front row i'm like are we all here to say the same thing <laughs> <laughs> just to show, but yeah, it, it it literally took me until the end of the credits before I could like actually get up and not sound like a total moron. Because Dan's like, "Are you feeling all right?" I'm like, "Yeah, just give me a minute." <laughs> it it really struck me. I just something about it really played well for me, and I really really like Sean Durkin, and I highly recommend The Nest for those that haven't seen it. He hasn't mm-hmm. made a lot of movies, um, and the that Nest one is also yeah, it's it's Carrie also. That movie is so good and so mm-hmm. under criminally underrated. So I think mm-hmm. he's definitely a filmmaker. Like Bill, you said, we need to see more movies from. And yeah. I won't say too much when it comes up higher, but yeah, it is higher on my list. There's certain um, movies that attach yourself that, that yeah. attach themselves to, and this this was my movie that it that just yeah, it was my, yeah. everything to me. 
Yeah, me too. Um, my number six is um, Celine Song's Past Lives. Uh, another movie that made me cry. <laughs> oh God, what does that say about me? Uh, I just, this movie is so tender and so uh, real. Um, and the relationships are just so authentic. Like you really feel Greta Lee's like conundrum. Um, and it just, it, but it doesn't feel like a melodrama. It's just so grounded in reality. And that final scene is the opening scene is pretty amazing. I mm-hmm. personally, I think the opening scene is better than the closing scene, but that closing scene is pretty special. Like this movie is just on another level. It's so good. And it's only my number six. The opening scene is like my favorite opening scene of the year. Mine too. It's just. I'm like, really? I think I might have texted Bill when it started. I'm like, you see the ending is like good. I mean, this opening is pretty spectacular. How does it get any better than this? <laughs> pretty fantastic. Pretty fantastic stuff. Um, that was higher for me. Yay. Yeah. It's, it's weirdly <laughs> yeah, it's lower hot. on my list. It dropped. I have, It's been a good year. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's higher on my list too. Yay. Steve, what's your number six? My number six is Cord Jefferson's American Fiction. Nice. I this movie delighted me to no end. It is one of those movies where you could have like a sly smile on your face while watching it, and it'll drop immediately. It's because something something else will happen, or it'll shock you, or it'll have something that is like so sweet-hearted that even the most jaded person can't hate it. It's such a a mix, and it's also so important and i don't know there's so much fun to be had with this movie as well like every single scene even when he's spiraling out of control desperately that sterling k brown is there is just a delight because that guy is incredible i can watch him do anything but also to watch jeffrey wright and john ortiz like escalate their situation is so hilarious and i i I love all the calls the all the speakerphone calls that they make throughout the movie there's just so much about this movie to love uh again i think it is a very important movie as well that that people should see that people should get out of 2023 and um celebrating the man jeffrey wright in just such a great way too because he's fantastic and this, also the Tracy Ellis Ross thing, like totally shocked me. Like I was so floored by that moment. I was like, wow. Okay. 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 But yeah, I love that film. I'm glad this was on your list, Steve, because it didn't quite make mine. But um, I think what's so brilliant about this is it's intelligent comedy. This is a mm-hmm. really, really smart comedy. And I feel like for so many years, we were getting so much dumb comedy. Um, it's just really nice to see something that's like a bit more intellectual and challenging and interesting mm-hmm. in what what is funny and why is it funny. Um, yeah, it's I, I think this is a great film. But still really, really funny and really accessibly funny, which I think mm-hmm. is why it's like doing such amazing things. Because it, 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 like you say, Melissa, it's really smart, but it's also actually really accessible. Where a lot of, not a lot of, but there are, you know, some, you know, sort of smart comedies that are harder to find your way into. They don't play for everyone. But I think this one plays well across the board because it is hilarious. And Steve, you mentioned those calls. Those calls might be some of the best moments in film this year. They're just Mm -hmm. hilarious. And the way that that escalates is just on another level. (laughs) When he's like to name it 
fuck. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so good. It's just uh, so fucking good. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Melissa, your number six. My number six is uh, is Blackberry, which was actually my number one at the mid year. Um, and uh, I the re- like I'm a giant Matt Johnson fangirl. Like every single movie he's put out, The Dirties, Operation Avalanche, Blackberry, they're all just brilliant like he does these sort of like period pieces he captures an era so well um and uh yeah i just i really love this film glenn howerton is a force in it jay baruchel <laughs> does does a great job and it's like it's it's a cool tech story and it's a cool canadian tech story and uh yeah just i really i i thought this 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 film was a lot of fun and made me very nostalgic from my old clickety clackety blackberry <laughs> I love this movie too. And I think the thing that you nailed is the fact that this is a great Canadian tech story, which thankfully is told by a Canadian because this could have so easily been like picked up by somebody in Hollywood and it probably wouldn't have the same like level of insight and charm. Just something about it really works. It is a little bit lower on my list. It's in my sort of sub list, but I've struggled hard because between this and air was the other like sort of like real life nineties uh, docudrama no not even document drama drama that I kind of I, I struggled with because I loved those movies so much and I'm like how can I not squeeze these into my top 10 can, can it can it be done can it be done I can't but I was disappointed I love that movie Blackboard I can't awesome. I just I couldn't I couldn't let the year go by without putting a Matt Johnson movie in I my, love it thank you <laughs> if the man puts a movie out it's gonna be in my top 10 I'm just I I'm love just it that out there I yeah. love it it's so good that was one of the darlings that were killed um I adore Blackberry and Howerton's performance is one of the best supporting actor performances of the year for sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it's lower on my list. Mr. Bill, what's your number six? Uh, my number six is Oppenheimer. We've talked a lot about this movie, so I'm just going to say these couple things. Team Tenet, heart emoji. <laughs> Thank so you. well played. That was so well played. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the the Robert Pattinson scarf from Tenet. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, my number five is May December. Nice. <laughs> I, I love this movie so much, like so so much. And the Natalie Portman scenes. I mean, so much of this is so good, but her scenes of just her. Are like spectacular. There's the 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 scene in the uh, in the in the pet store on the staircase, which is like, did she really just do that? And then of course that killer uh, in front of the mirror, which is like on another level. I just love this movie. It's capital, cap, capital A acting. Oh, super capital A acting, and I will take it any day of the week. Like Todd Haynes, man, this guy is so on point. So on point. Love yeah, it. like I, I'm not sure if it's in my top, like my top twenty at all, but it is some of the best, like some of the like highlight reel of her career stuff that I would like bring up for like Natalie Portman. Um, the drama class scene for sure being one of them. It's it's so incredible. I also really, 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 really love the music yes. and how it's used in this movie. I, I I I talked about that when we talked about this movie in previous episode. Um and yeah, it. I mean, it's Todd Haynes. He, it, like, I, I, I put this movie up near Carol for me. Like, that's that's yeah. that's how much I, I revere this film. 
and, and that final scene, like every time I think about it, I just wanna <laughs> laugh. It's it's so hammy. Just, it's perfect, but it's so perfect. Yeah. I, I just I love this movie. I think it's one that I'm gonna like more as the years progress. I just I can't stop thinking about it. I just love the hell out of it. I, I agree with you. I think this is I think this is one of those films that's gonna age really well. Um, because people will go back to it because there's a lot, there's a lot in there to unpack. And mm. also I think like of all the, like there were a lot of really great films this year for inspiring, like a lot of conversation between people, but this one definitely was up there in terms of like sparking conversation and debate and discussion, like what's okay. What's not okay. Is it okay if they're still together 20 years later? Is she always like a predator? Like, you know what about natalie portman's and she also a predator like all like there were all these like really interesting questions and discussions i think that came out of this film um and yeah i just i think it was quite brilliant i the music drove me crazy like i just i was like it it was constantly throwing me off i did uh, yeah um i I appreciate sometimes being unbalanced by a filmmaker and i guess that's kind of what he was going for with that but yeah um and Charles Melton was such a revelation in this film. It's like I like I hope he gets well. I think I mean he's undoubtedly going to get a ton more work now, and he can kind of set aside the Riverdale heartthrob thing, um, and move into like actual meaty roles, and that's pretty awesome. So yeah, agreed, agreed. I actually haven't seen any of the Riverdale that he's in, and now I'm very curious. I mean, it's not, he called it his Juilliard because I guess like they got to do a lot of different things on the show. But um, as someone who watched too much of Riverdale, as in all of Riverdale, as in I don't even know why, except that I'm a completist and I can't stop watching something <laughs> that started it, um, I would not necessarily recommend that you dive into that well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I watch crappier television than you, Melissa. I watch it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sometimes there are gems to be found. Sometimes there are gems to be found. The 100. Um, okay, number six. You're number six, Steve. Uh, or oh, sorry, number five. Sorry, number, number five. Number- yeah, number five uh, is Holdovers. Um, yeah, I mean, we've already talked about this one and how special it is. But yeah, it's going to be a yearly watch for me. I love, love, love the dialogue in this movie. And and. Uh, just the delivery of it is just everything. So yeah, it's number five. Melissa, your number five. My number five is uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, which is really saying something. If a Scorsese is only at number five on my list, um, but I uh, yeah, I just I think in terms of cinema, where this is settlers coming to terms with the role that we've played in the genocide and dispossession of indigenous peoples in North America. That's why I think this, this film is really important. Um, I also think Lily Gladstone is uh, just epically, an epically brilliant actress. And on top of that, an epically brilliant activist and definitely deserves all of the accolades and awards that she's going to get for this film. Um, DiCaprio is phenomenal in this. Uh, De Niro also great. Um, but yeah, like really it's, it's the messaging of the film. I mean, we have to take some responsibility here, um, for, for what has happened. Uh, and yeah, I just, this is, I think this is such a great accountability piece coming from one of the best filmmakers of all time. Agreed. Agreed. That's higher on my list. Lower on my, lower on my list. 
Yeah, it sadly didn't make mine, but not for the lack of it being great. Um, and the fact that it didn't make it anywhere near my top 10 is really, I think, more of a just a, a, a sign of like how good last year was. But I think mm-hmm. you're absolutely right, Melissa. I think the movie on its own is a really important piece of work. And the fact that it plays really well is also super helpful. And I mean, the fact that it comes from Scorsese, who, like you say, is one of the greatest working working directors of all time hmm. um it really opens the door for people to give it a chance that generally probably wouldn't watch that story um so i think that it, it is really worth celebrating for sure also just giant props to thelma uh for being one of the greatest editors in all of film history because yeah. the, these, these films are just seamless like i feel like she doesn't get enough credit she doesn't she doesn't the work that she does because they're so well crafted that it's like you don't even see the sleight of hand anymore and so mm. like yeah i i just yeah I, I just think she's a brilliant editor i think the partnership between her and marty is such an exceptional one in the world of cinema um and yeah i think i think the thing is is every time scorsese puts a film out the expectation is high because he always delivers so it's always high um, and sometimes I feel like that, like, kind of almost operates against them in terms of, like, accolades and awards for films, because I think the expectation of performance is so high that even when they deliver, it's like, you know, it's not a surprise that it's so good. So, yeah. yeah, like, how many how, how many Oscar nominations did Irishman have? 13? Yeah. No wins. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like we take it for granted. Oh, it totally yeah. is. Yeah. And, and he's not the only one. I mean, I think there's very few filmmakers that are in that realm, but there are certainly a couple that you just expect so much greatness from them at every turn that if it if it delivers, you're just like, well, that was expected. It's not a big deal. It's still like Goodfellas not winning the Academy Award and losing to Dances with Wolves is still like the thing that like really sticks a knife in my little cinema loving heart. It really mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so, i agree with that forrest gump over pulp fiction yeah well okay fair enough but still good fellas it's, it's yeah. always going to be good that, that, that was the start but good yeah. forrest forrest taking out jewels uh killed me <laughs> oh uh billiard number five uh speaking of incredible filmmakers my number five is the killer uh, David Fincher away from the studio system and now with voiceover and unreliable narrators and the freedom to do yoga whenever you want <laughs> and a, a really super playful script. And, you know, of course it's beautiful. It's David Fincher. Uh, you expect that, but it's the weird shit like him ordering breakfast from McDonald's or him like uh, fighting in one of the best fight scenes of the year that includes mm-hmm. and that's in the year that john wick 4 came out so i say that pretty highly uh this is probably going to be my most rewatched film of this year like i i get so much out of this film just watching it and uh i think fincher's a genius and uh p.s oscars nominate tilda i fucking dare you <laughs> it won't happen but it's no it's, it's a great scene though it it's totally a really, is really 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 great scene it totally is she's so good yeah uh my number four and this is where things get interesting uh not that they haven't been so far uh the zone of interest um higher on my this? list yeah will i ever watch this movie again probably not i don't think i have 
the emotional capacity to watch this a second time. That said, whenever I read a new interview with Jonathan Grazer, I'm like, oh man, I kind of want to watch it again. I just don't think I can honestly handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to need some like breathing time, uh, like maybe a year before I rewatch this. It's just so... It hits like a bomb uh, mm-hmm. from like that opening scene where it's just black screen and I hadn't read anything about it. So I was like, is there something wrong with the screener? Like what's going on? Did something stop working? And then the sound slowly like starts to play um, and get louder. And you're like, oh, this is how it starts. And that remains throughout. And I, I really, really wish I had had the chance to see this on the big screen. Um, I think it's a movie that really benefits from um, a theatrical experience, if for nothing more than the delivery. Uh, Like the sound is so important and so key to the film um, that I think you really do need to hear it the way the the filmmaker intended. Um, That said, it's just, um, I don't, it's just such a powerful film. And the fact that it tells the story in an unexpected way um, and really kind of like brings home um, this idea that these people um, were just like any other human being, like their goal in life was to succeed and be better, but at the cost of literally wiping out another per- another group of people. It's shocking. And the fact that it's still shocking this many years later is really saying something about not just that period in history, but also the filmmaking involved. Um, it's genius. Do I ever need to see it again? I kind of feel like I want to, but I don't think I can. It's also pretty wild that he shoots it like a Big Brother episode. Oh, it totally is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that Glazer's a genius. We've known yeah. this. For, we've, we've known this for a while. Yeah. Uh, the, the fact that he takes you know years to put movies out really sucks because we just. You know, it's it's just like Scorsese or Fincher. We know what we're getting with this guy. Yeah. And uh hopefully, you know, you know, quite the year for Sandra Huller, eh? Huh? Oh yeah. It's so the, the, scene, the, the scene where she's trying on coats. My, <laughs> go, my god. Uh oh. yeah, it's it's I don't think I need to see it again. I think I'm yeah. done with that film. It's, yeah. But it's higher on my list. Especially in the way it was delivered, like seeing it at the playhouse, like front row house sitting and getting your brain seared with the mundane minutiae of evil is fucked up and yeah. like an unforgettable one that just is like burned into my cinema brain forever. It's, it's also my number four as well. Like it's, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. It's just Glazer I mean, I saw that Glazer is our closest to Kubrick, but he's also so much, so much more than that as well. And there's nobody like him. Um, and as trepidatious as I feel in my heart, I'm really excited for anything he does next. Yep. But I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> so I still haven't seen this movie yet. It, I, I, I really need to get to see it. I think I've been like trying to psych myself up to go and see it because I know it's going to be a difficult watch but it does it is really interesting to me how like between this film and Killers of the Flower Moon that you know we're getting some kind of accountability and understanding of complicity 
in these evil things that have happened in our history. And that we can't just sort of blame it on the leadership, you know, like that, that this, this core, this, this thing was rotten all the way to the core and that everybody had like a small piece to play in this, um, whether you're talking about the Holocaust or you're talking about the genocide of indigenous peoples. Um, and that we, you know, we can't pretend that there's no involvement. All right. it's, it's one of those weird films where I want to tell people don't have good sound because you don't no. want to hear you, you really don't want to hear it. All I remember is just like hearing screams and gunshots. And I'm just like, I have a really good sound system. I don't ever need to hear this on Blu-ray. I just no. don't. Yeah. <laughs> nuts film. Absolutely nuts. It'll be criterion. Oh, probably. Yeah. Um, Melissa, you're number four. Um, so happy, my, number, <laughs> yes. my, my number four was monster. Um, oh, no. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, like, okay. Kurosawa is the one that introduced us to the Rashomon effect in cinema. This idea that a story unfolds across multiple viewpoints. And I think Corey Ada is like, he's done it in such a beautiful way with this film. It's such a humanist film. Um, and I, like, I just love the, the, the young actor, um, that plays Minato, uh, Soyo Kurakawa. He is phenomenal in this movie. He's so great. Like just the physicality of his performance, the, the expressions that he has, that mm-hmm. sort of taciturn, um, performance that he's giving at the beginning of the film. And then as, as he kind of opens up what you see from him, um, I, like, I don't want to talk plot points with this movie at all because I feel like it just wrecks it, you know? Like, you don't really, like, yeah, you're better to go in seeing this film not knowing much about where it's going to go. Uh, but, yeah, I just I just loved this film. I, th- I thought it was, it broke my heart, but in a way that was so beautiful. So, yeah. Just just a giant plea to everybody. If you haven't seen Coriata's back catalog, he's legitimately one of the greatest filmmakers ever lived. Mm-hmm. and he t- just makes all of his films are great every one so, of them i think my last fave festival favorite was broker so yeah like he consistently always comes through with like my favorite movies of the whatever festival i'm going to uh bill your number four uh my number four, four is poor things the new yorker Slathamos film i still kind of can't believe this came out from a, a sort of major studio in 2023 it's really weird looking. It's ugly. It pulls no punches at all. Features a really weird, crazy performance from an Oscar-winning actress. Just I can't believe she actually did some of the stuff that she does in this film. And it's it's just everything's first rate. And I just think I find really I find beauty in the in the weirdness of it. And I just and once again, show me something I've never seen before. And that is this freaking film. Uh, and holy heck, friends, this 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 freaking movie. It's just uh, everything I look for in a movie is just, you know, uh, just be weird, just be wonderful. And just, as I said, show me something I haven't seen before. And I know people haven't seen it on this podcast, so I'm not going to talk plot. But uh, it's incredible. And uh, Lanthimos is just batting a thousand. The guy hasn't made a bad film. At it's all. hard. It's hard to believe <laughs> where he's come to from his first movie. Like you watch Dog Tooth, <laughs> and then you fast forward to this. You're like, 
did not, not see this coming. Thought the same director. It's not. Um, no. I like for me, I appreciate. Like I think Emma Stone is just genius in this. And the more I hear actors talk about working with Lanthimos, I kind of get the sense for you know why they love working with him, which I think is in part why he manages to get such great cast because he gives him the opportunity to try new things, but he's also not trite about it. Um, but like personally, I thought that the concept for the movie was far better than the movie itself. I just, I didn't really like go for the weirdness of it. It just didn't really work for me, but she, Emma Stone is just like, on another level, she is so good, and some of the stuff she does, like you say, it's just crazy. Just crazy. Um, this is higher on my list. The only thing I'll take exception to uh, what you said, Bill, is that you said it was ugly, which I completely agree with. I think this. I think so. I think this movie is gorgeous. I love. No, but I, then, I said, then I said, then I said, I found a beauty of the ugliness. Well, but I, but I, I, I think the costuming to me is fascinating. Like. That yeah, it's um it's really out there. There were walkouts in my screening, which I always I always fucking love it when people walk out of a movie. <laughs> um and uh yeah, I, I I this yeah, I love this film. I will say more about it later. I haven't seen it yet. I'm seeing it on Thursday, so Yay! that's why it's not on my list. So. <laughs> um my number three is the Iron Claw, which we already talked about. I don't need to say anything else other than it's awesome. Pretty good. Right. Uh, My number three is Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Bobby De Niro hasn't been like this Bobby De Niro in a very long time. Very long time. A noticeably long time. And you're like, when you see his performance, you're like, there he is. Like, right there. Like, come on. He he gets his flowers for sure in this one. Um, Lily Gladstone is a turbulent force and I love every second she's on screen. She's and she's just such a gorgeous human being as well. So um, definitely my crush of 2023 has been Lily Gladstone. Um, And I've been mistaken in saying that DiCaprio is moving to his Jack Nicholson phase. He might've been, but this is him moving to his Brando phase because holy shit, this performance has a lot of Brando written all over it. And when my screening for this one ended, I went, holy fuck, Thelma. I, I have to agree with the, the the sentiments towards Thelma. She's incredible, and she is the heartbeat of this film. Yay! Um, <laughs> well, it's lower right. on my list. Uh, so my number three is Past Lives, which we have already talked about. I think um, there's two things I really appreciate about this film. I think I think everybody has thought about a door that was closed um, and wondered what would have happened if they had taken that path. Um, So it's intensely relatable on that scale. And then I also, I saw a really great uh, interview with um, Greta who was talking about like playing this kind of this, this, this person who has a foot in two cultures and how difficult that was and how worried she was about whether she was going to be able to deliver that in an authentic way. Um, and, uh, and, and I really appreciate that about this film as well, that, um, that, that central character having a foot in two different cultures. Um, I thought that was really beautiful. Um, yeah, I just, it's just such a, it's just such a beautiful 
again, very human film. I love it. Love it. Bill, you're number three. Uh, as Bo was afraid, we've already talked about it. Uh, I, you know, I've I've gotten shit saying how I thought this was his most watchable film, and uh, I still kind of stick by it. I don't care what you guys say. Uh, I I just think it's um. I think Ari Aster is just a genius, and uh, I think uh, he's making a Western next. Let's uh, fucking I'm so go. psyched. I'm so psyched. <laughs> it's going to be batshit crazy. I am there for it. But yeah, it's an incredible film. We've talked a lot about this film throughout the year, and uh, I can't wait to get the 4K. Um, my number two probably <laughs> not come as a shock to anybody uh, here. Uh, Robot, Robot Dreams. Dreams. Robot dreams. <laughs> I, number two. Yay! It's lower on my list. I I I rewatched this because Dan hadn't seen it, and I'm like, you have to watch this movie. He's like, is this the one that doesn't have any talking? I'm like, just trust me on this one. Oh, it's so good. I actually started to cry like 15 minutes in. I'm like, no, this is happening again. Oh god, this movie. It's so sweet and so beautiful, and. There is so much detail in this movie about like 1970s, 80s New York City that I missed the first time around. That's it's just plastered everywhere and it's so it's in the background and you don't always see it, but it just lends this air. I oh, it's just so, such a special movie. I mean, it's not even particularly like well, I'm like there's nothing here that, you know, it's it's a 2D movie. Like it's not even like particularly well animated. It just it is what it is, but it is such a delicate story and it's so beautifully told. And every time I hear the music, I just want to start crying. It's just the sweetest thing. I this movie. Neon, I curse you for dropping the ball on this one. I curse <laughs> you. Yeah, what is happening with this movie? Are, I are don't they know. Ever releasing it? Okay, it has well, no release. It has no release date as of yet. I have no well, idea what they're doing. When and if they ever decide to release this movie, we are going to be promoting the the, the crap out of this. I am yeah. because we're all like enamored fan people of this film, and um, yeah, I just this movie has so much heart. Like, and it doesn't need dialogue when it has Earth, Wind, and Fire, baby. <laughs> it does, oh. doesn't. It doesn't. It, that's it's the one of the best uses of a song in a movie ever of all time. Um, and uh, yeah, this again, another movie that broke my heart, but it did it. But you find the beauty in the heartbreak. Um, yeah. yeah, and the ending is actually really uplifting and really sweet. And again, it's the another story about you know, realizing that there are different paths in your life and like almost like past lives. It, yeah. it really is about sort of like letting go, realizing that yeah. there is more to life than what was in the past and just going. I would it. love like this would be a perfect double bill for me. Past lives and robot dreams. Like, yeah, the themes are there. Yeah, the, the-, the thematically it works and you would walk out of the cinema um, in a good mood having seen two brilliant films. Agreed. Yeah. It was really annoying when they when they put out that new trailer. It didn't have a date at the end. Just like why? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard February, but at this point, I, it's not clear what exactly they're doing. Um, uh, Steve, your number two. Uh, my number two is Celine Song's Past Lives. Uh, yeah. There is 
something to be said about a movie that that I in my cinema mind I can put up next to the before trilogy, uh, end of the tour, just films about human connection. Um, and I I love this film so deeply on a trifecta of performances, and Celine Song just writes and directs the hell out of this movie. I'm I'm so excited for whatever comes next, but. Um, I cherish this movie and it's one of those great films of 2023 that I would recommend across the board. Like it's just a really, really fantastic film. Agreed. And I love that you like tied it into the before trilogy. Cause that is, mm-hmm. it's very, very definitely same vibes. It's yeah. where I hooked in and I, it's yeah. where I felt like my grounding in it. And I was like, I loved every second of that. Like it just, that's my shit. I it's, it's, it's an easy pander to me. I, I, yeah not pandering when it's true yeah uh, melissa's number two is robot dreams bill your number two is zone of interest uh this was this almost took my number one out i think it's that important of a film and then i rewatched my number one i'm like no that movie rules uh mm-hmm. you probably already know what it is but uh yeah We've already said a lot about zone interest. It's incredible. I'm just like, just like a Hanukkah film, like, like a more, I'm never going to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good comparison because <laughs> I've never watched the war again. I don't need to. No. I think broke my heart once. That was enough. Um, and my number one, which I think is clear at this point is red rooms. Nice. <laughs> this was no contest. Like I did my top three. I'm like, no contest. Now what do I do with the rest of this list? I just, I love this movie. I, I've said all I need to say. I think it's genius. I think everybody needs to see it. I think it's amazing. All right. My, my number one is Iron Claw. I am a wrestling fan through and through. I was as a kid. I was a teenager. I'm not, I am still one as an adult. And there's certain stories that um, you know about um once you get in once you get into wrestling as a fan it's the von erics and sean durkin did this story so beautifully with so much soul um and and so many beautiful beautiful shots in this movie like it's got some of my favorite shots of the year it has my absolute favorite shot of the year which is uh maura tierney uh watching uh carrie von eric wrestle while a ghostly david von eric sits on the stairs and it made it made my world stop seeing that shot. I was it just it just floored me. And everybody's so great. And um, Zach Efron should really people should look at him a lot fucking differently if he's still kind of in that the pop culture stereotype of what he was because he's on a whole new level. And yeah, I loved everything about this film. I think the really scary part is that's not even the whole story, folks. Yeah, Sean, Dur- Chris. Sean Durkin stopped because he said it might get a little too sad. Yeah. Yeah. The great, the, great film. The I mean, because we we we've you know we we talked about um the heaven scene, but also for the scene coming after if him crying about that he's not a brother anymore is like it's it'll shatter the globe. It's such a I don't know. It's it's so heavy. So, so heavy in the... Yeah. I'll, I'll watch that movie a lot because I really loved it. 
Do you think that Zach Efron, I mean, the way that he looks now, do you think he's going to get, like, he has the chops. He's definitely a solid actor. I just don't know, like, with, I know with his jaw reconstruction and then mm-hmm. with just how jacked he is now. Like, yeah. I just, he's not, he's not as jacked. There was actually a really great interview. If I can find it, I'll dig it up. I think it's in uh, Va- Vanity Fair or The New Yorker, uh, where they talk to him for like the awards run and he looks totally different. He, oh, yeah. like, the, the bulk up is gone. Okay. Cause I was going to say like that, cause just his physicality, I feel like yeah. puts him out of the running for a lot of roles, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. But yeah. um, but yeah, if he's if he's to- if he's gone back to burgers and fries and donuts, then that's probably better <laughs> for his acting career. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, he doesn't even in the photos. You can tell he's nowhere near as jacked up as he was for the film. He's really toned it down quite a bit. Super underrated Zac Efron performance, The Beach Bum. Yeah, yeah, so, so yeah. good. Yeah, that movie so is good. really good. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that in a long time. <laughs> um, Melissa, you're number one. My number one is Poor Things. Nice. I love Vargas. I do. Um, and uh, this is this is quite a brilliantly feminist movie. I also would really like to see this movie on a double bill with Bo's Afraid. I think <laughs> it would be like, because awesome. you've got like the one film is about a person who's afraid of uh, like living in fear. And the other movie is about someone who is living completely fearlessly. Um, and so I think the juxtaposition of that is great. And I also think if you're the kind of person who likes Bo's Afraid, you're also going to be the kind of person who likes poor things. <laughs> like <laughs> they're equally kind of out there and challenging. And yeah. I and I will actually just say that I disagree with what you guys said before about how this seems like a completely different director from Dogtooth. I don't think that there is anything different about Yorgos. I think he picks material that is really different across the board. But I think what ties all of Yorgos's films together is that he really leans into discomfort in a way that you don't see with most other filmmakers. He's really not afraid of leaning into the discomfort of the human experience and in making audiences uncomfortable. Um, and I like, I, yeah, I just, I really appreciate that about him. I, every, every performance in this movie is fearless and brilliant. Defoe is great. Uh Emma Stone is like mind-blowingly good. Um, and then uh uh oh, what's his name? The Hulk. He totally surprised Mark Ruffalo. Me. Mark Ruffalo, yeah, just totally surprised me in this movie. I mean, I knew he was a good actor, but he does things on a comedic level here that I was wouldn't would not have necessarily expected from him. And I yeah, I thought he I thought he was really fantastic. So uh yeah, this this movie is great. People should I, see it. I could go with that. And and you're totally right. I think that that's definitely a through line uh, for his films is that they are all leaning into the uncomfortable and who cares what you feel. This is the movie that we're telling. I will say um, when I was watching this, there's a scene uh, in Lisbon with a singer and I paused it and I said to, I said to my mom, I'm like, I think that this is Carmino. (laughs) We've literally just seen her like two months before in person. Oh, the Fado, the Fado performer? Yeah, the Fadista. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she was brilliant. She was and really she's, good. She, she was brilliant in person too. Yeah. <laughs> but I had I had a fangirl moment. Sorry. Just a sidetrack. Um, I, I have a weird question. Did anybody see, speaking of Sean Durkin and Yargus Lugos Lanthimos, did anybody see Martha Marcy May Marlene and then Alps at VIF like I did? Before my time. Yeah. 
last night, the final two films I saw were Martha Marcy May Marlene and Alps. <laughs> I was a little I, fucked up after that one. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. I remember yeah, seeing Martha at VIF, but I don't remember if I saw Alps there. Now that you mention it, I'm not yeah. sure if I did or not. And Bill, what is your number one? Spider-Verse. No oh, shit. It survived to be number one. It survived. Uh, wow. Shocking. Uh, yeah, this, this the second I saw this film, I knew it was probably going to be my number one film of the year. Uh, it's the, you know, it's, I think it's, it's now the, the bar for animation. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be seeing in the next five to 10 years films that were, you know, made better because of this film. And it's not just the, 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 the great voice acting or the, the great animation. It's the awesome characters like Spider-Gwen or Peter Parker's freaking daughter, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It's just really awesome. This movie rules. And, uh, you know, I just, this is a really good film here. And, you know, what would have happened if Dune came out? I don't fucking know. <laughs> this is my number one film of the year. And Dune can come out this year and be as awesome as it's going to be. But, uh, yeah, this is just the greatest. Mm-hmm. I I knew it the second I saw it. And it's better than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's right, Marina. Whatever. <laughs> to each their own, man. To each their own. I'm, you know, I'm honestly grateful that Dune didn't come out this year and Bike Riders didn't come out this year because I feel like they would have seriously fucked my list up. Because <laughs> I'm a such a Jeff Nichols mark, like so, like like it's not even funny, and just like everything about that movie speaking to me right now. So I know I always think that it's it's always a good year for movies. I mean. You're gonna you're gonna find stuff that you're gonna like. Yeah. Any given year. Yeah. So, Can't wait um, for next year's top ten. It's gonna be crazy. Love lies bleeding is gonna be in the top five. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, quickly, my bottom ten. <laughs> say the least. That sounds so wrong. It does sound wrong. It's not really my bottom ten. It's the 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 other movies that I really really liked that I had a hard time. I'm not mentioning it. I mean, this list could have been much longer, but The Holdovers, uh, TMNT, which I did really love. Notice how it makes my top 20 and not the other movie. Uh, How to Blow Up a Pipeline, which I thought was spectacular. Mm. Um, And I felt really, really kind of gutted that I wasn't able to squeeze it into my top 10. Um, John Wick Chapter 4, Reality, which I think is a movie is not talked about enough. Um, for um, uh, feature film debut, like adapted from like literally using uh, dialogue from a transcript. It's just the most like uncomfortable watch of the year. It's so good. Uh, just amazing. Um, Air, which I thought was kind of genius and really fun. Um, Godzilla minus one, real, a real surprise. Um, the killer, which I think is it's shocking that it's in top 20 and not in the top 10. Um, one that I watched just the other day, uh, 20 days in Mariupol. So this is the frontline PBS documentary, um, uh, which is basically essentially footage from a photojournalist from the first 20 days of the Ukrainian invasion. Um, and this movie, like, from the opening 10 minutes, I was just like fucking bawling my eyes out. And Dan's like, are you going to make me watch anything sadder than this this year? I'm like, probably not. Um, and I, I I wanted to mention it because it's one of those movies that 
like like uh, Green Zone, Melissa, I think is one of those movies or Green Border. It's one of those movies that kind of like shows you the realities and the atrocities of modern warf- warfare. And it's considering that we have multiple wars going on at the moment and we're sitting at home being able to just like talk about movies while people are literally like trying to survive something that they had like no say in is like it just puts life into perspective and it's such a powerful documentary and it's streaming for free on youtube like it's on the pbs website you don't have to rent it or pay for it literally it's there to watch and i cannot recommend it enough if you need a reality check this is the movie to watch and then my number 20 is blackberry good list i don't know if anybody has any other titles that they want to talk about um, the, the ones that kind of got lost, left off my end that didn't get really mentioned, uh, anatomy of a fall, mm-hmm. um, Cassandra Huller fucking rules. And that movie is so deep. <laughs> There's just so much about it. And uh, that I really loved. Um, and then genre stuff, uh, evil dead rise. That was a huge one for me. Uh, and then, uh, Zizu, uh, were movies that I really loved this year. I still haven't seen that. Maybe tonight. It's wild. It's good. Yeah. I uh I too uh was kind of sad that Anatomy of a Fall didn't make my list because Sandra Hiller is amazing in that film. And also I think that there it's another one of those movies that sparked a lot of conversation and discussion. Um and I think it is a really interesting look at relationships. Um, and conflict in relationships. And it's a really interesting look at, uh, again, at misogyny too. Um, because I think, yeah, I think, I think there's a bit of that at play in how her character is treated. Uh, the other, the other films I, I did want to raise just cause again, I think they're like important stories, um, were Rice Boy Sleeps, which I guess technically was released in, at TIFF in 2022, but it didn't get a release, Canadian release until March of 2023. Um, great. It's a great film. Um, it was playing on Air Canada the last time I flew. So if you're looking for a very good Canadian story, um, that one's pretty fantastic. Um, and also Monica, which was uh, the story of a trans woman who returns home when her mother is uh, going through dementia um, and her mother had not had rejected her um, when she came out as trans. Um, and so they kind of reintroduce her to her dementia suffering mother um as as this monica that she doesn't know um it's quite a brilliant it was quite a brilliant film as well and i don't think got a lot of attention unfortunately um and then i just wanted to mention there were a couple things that i didn't get to see that i really wanted to like i feel like this was a bad year for me with documentaries so i never saw occupied city the steve mcqueen film about amsterdam during the second world war and i feel like that would have been a pretty great film to see um, and also uh, Kokomo City, which was a story about uh, three black trans women um, that I also unfortunately didn't get to see, but uh, got really strong reviews as well. And I'm hoping to catch up with that at some point soon. I just watched that only because I saw it on a bunch of lists. And I'm like, let me try to find this thing. It was surprisingly so entertaining, like really um, like it. It's an it's a, like an interesting like 
the, the, the material is interesting, but I just didn't expect it to be that much fun to watch as well. Like the characters, like these women are just on another level. It was almost like watching a drag show, but like, like deep. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just, I was so entertained by it. And at the same time, like really saddened, but it's just so much fun to watch. Like they're just characters. It it really is probably like one of the greatest cast documentaries I've ever seen. It's just so good. Well, I think, I mean, especially in this year when we've seen so much anti-trans legislation get passed, especially in the United States, um, these trans stories are really important to tell right now. So, yeah, I feel really bad that I missed out on Kokomo City. Um, Monica was really great. Highly recommend it if you can find it. Bill, anything you want to add? Yeah, so I have 11 to 20. Um, number 11 is Past Lives, which is seems criminally low for that, but it's uh, it's a great film. Great film year. Uh, 12, Killers of the Flower Moon. 13, John Wick 4, because it's awesome. Uh, number 14, All of Us Strangers, the new Andrew Haig film, which a lot of people haven't seen, but it's really great. Uh, you know, not just Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal, uh, Jamie Bell and Claire Foy are so good in the movie. Uh, so good uh wait for that one it's coming soon uh it's really great uh number 15 uh godzilla minus one uh the color version whatever uh <laughs> <laughs> it's really great uh i didn't quite i didn't quite know what it was going to be and i was kind of shocked by it so i'm i'm really happy with that one uh number 16 uh monster the Coriata film we've talked a lot about it it's really great uh, number 17, Robot Dreams. Hopefully everybody gets to see that one later on in the year. 18, Why Is This So Low? How to Build a Pipeline. It's really fucking great. Uh, 19, How Is This So Low? Blackberry, also really great. And number 20, the Makoto Shinkai film, Suzume. It's also really great. Suzume is like the one movie that I'm like, can I please just squeeze this in? <laughs> the, I'm I'm playing this score on repeat. I do not know why. Dan's like, what are you listening to? I'm like, leave me alone. I love this. Oh, <laughs> oh guys, it's so good. Good list, only, everybody. Only available on Crunchyroll, by the way. The only way to see Suzume on Crunchyroll. I don't even think they released the disc for it in Japan. Wow. Yeah. I'm shocked. Like I looked, I went looking. I'm like, I must get this. <laughs> the day will come. The day will come. And that chair, that chair, man, <laughs> chair. Your romantic interest is a chair. Only in a Shinkai movie. It's been a great year. And guys, it's been a great year of talking movies with you. Yeah, it's been fun for sure. It's been awesome. I look forward to another great year of talking movies with you guys. Um, we will link to, um, everybody's list in the show notes, uh, and the runner up lists and the things that we missed. Um, is there anything else I need to link to? I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh, another, uh, show of things we've been watching. And I know from creeping uh, letterbox that you guys have been watching stuff. So this should be fun. Yep. <laughs> I promise not to be bill. I won't shame you into anything. <laughs> hey, don't steal my gimmick. <laughs> gimmick infringement. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, so atcpod.ca is where you'll find all of the things. Guys, where can people find you if they want to connect with you uh, off of the site? No, I'll go first. Uh, Why not? Uh, I am Bill Harris. I am at soundjab69 on Letterboxd and Twitter. I have another podcast called The Green Screen of Death. I'm probably doing a top 10 show next week on that where I will say the exact same stuff because I'm not writing <laughs> new notes. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> other than that, thank you for much for watching and listening and I will talk to you guys later. Steve. Um, I, so I'm not letting, I'm not letting Steve go next. Um, <laughs> uh, so you can find me very intermittently on the platform formerly known as Twitter that I refuse to recognize by its new name um, as at Melzy Melzy. Um, and I'm also on, uh, or sorry, at Melzy tweets. And then I'm on and letterboxed as at Melzy Melzy. Uh, yeah, that's me. And you can find me on the, I'm also not going <laughs> Steve, Steve, you're going laugh. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Marina too. I've been trying to post more regularly and I have been trying to make better use of um, letterboxed. I'm actually looking at people's reviews and trying to comment and trying to start conversations because that is what that is good for. So you can find me there at the Marina and Steve last, but not least. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, letterbox and threads at the Steve dead. I'm on, uh, sorry. Uh, you can find my website, stevestebbing.ca. And you can also find me on shiftheads.ca. If you look up shiftheads on uh, Facebook, you'll find that group there as well. Um, my YouTube page, Steve Stebbing, uh, subscribe to that one. That would be really helpful. Um, and I'm also on tremble, the horror podcast with Kurt and Taylor, uh, this week, uh, our new episodes are of the 1980 prom night. And then the 1987, hello, Betty Lou prom night too. Yeah. That's all I got to say about that. that second one's not quite as good. eh? You know, I, I actually had more fun with it than I did with the first movie. The, the, oh. the killer's such a fucking wiener in the first movie. Like, how is this guy scary? Second one at least tried to ignore the first movie, went all supernatural and fucking weird, and at least it's a little more entertaining. <laughs> and Canadian. Both both are very Canadian. Very. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. So until next time. Hack yeah. the planet. The planet. Bye. Bye.